John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. Merry Christmas. That's what I was about to say. Merry Christmas. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. So we will be discussing your sermon from Christmas Eve, and we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas Day as well. Yep. Yep. Double feature today. Um, but we're on which day of Christmas are we on right now? I don't know. It's, Four. it's Wednesday. Four, right? I don't know. Christmas Day is first day one two three four yeah 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 you can tell <laughs> it is uh the week after, after. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so true uh so looking at your christmas eve service you preached over the text luke 2 and luke 2 is always the is always read each christmas eve correct uh yeah it's um yeah, it's, uh, it's I a mean, Christmas story. It's right the Christmas there. story, and it's kind of hard not to preach on that, even though even though there are plenty exactly. of, there are plenty of other readings throughout the service. I mean, amazing readings too, right? Yeah, I, I really love the first John reading, the Titus so reading, so good. Yeah. Yep. So, what was the central teaching of your sermon? So, the sermon is really aiming towards the peace that God brings through His Son Jesus. Uh, we are in search of peace, and we have a continually difficult time of finding peace and peace just kind of keeps slipping away it is elusive and instead god comes in and he brings peace on earth through his incarnate son and how would you define peace like what is it Mm, that's a good that's a good question is it just that feeling that everything is good that you're at peace with one another you're good with the people around you. Yeah, there's certainly the feeling tied to peace. And I think part of the gospel is is not just the feeling of peace, but it's this idea of wholeness, that everything is right and put together, and it's just the way it should be. So the, the Hebrew word is shalom, right? And it, and it kind of gives us some of that idea of, of wholeness. So I think even health, if I remember right, comes with that word peace, that everything is, is in its good order. It, it's functioning as it should. It's no longer broken. Right, or or tumultuous or tempestuous, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. You never really hear it described that way. And I think with that, there can definitely be feelings, but generally when we talk about peace, it seems to be more feeling-oriented. But I like I like what you said about being put together, that, that health. Um, and yeah, given I guess I, I was thinking of... Um, you know, Jesus calming the storm. And so often we'll refer to like the storms of our lives and kind of allegorize it, but, you know, quite physically, you know, quite literally you had the, that weather event, right? The storm on the sea and part of Jesus' words are peace, be still, right? And, and the wind and the waves return to order. And it might be a visual way for us to think of peace is everything is back as it should be. And I mean, going with that example and other times that Jesus mentioned peace i mean he is the embodiment of peace as well mm-hmm. and it, like yeah his resurrection right you know the words of his mouth to his disciples in john peace 20 be with you peace be with you and then my peace i give to you oh so not as the world gives which kind of goes to the examples that you gave yes i'd say are more you know that elusive peace um that does not last can you talk a little bit about some of those examples uh, yeah, I went through a variety of examples in the in the Christmas Eve sermon to deal with this reality that peace seems so elusive because we are in search for it. We want 
things as they should be. We want order in our lives. We want uh, the removal of storm and chaos. And so even just something as simple as, you know, the man finds the photo of that family picture and he knows that while this picture looks like a peaceful picture, it's not. Because he remembers what that, what that gathering of the family was like. You have the girl that's dealing with her family back home and then she goes to her phone to find some peace and all that comes up like on her Instagram feed is, you know, curated videos of, of violence. Uh, you have the children, uh, the you have the eighth graders that go to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, right? They're on a class trip and yet while it's, you know, beautiful grounds, beautiful memorial, it was a battlefield at one point. And it's a reminder how peace can be so elusive. And then we had some kind of rapid fire examples of you're in a church and I just kind of worked through yet you had a guy that's uh, worrying about the project at work. If I just get that done, I'll be all caught up. He feels you get the, uh, the woman who's worried about her car being broken down and can she just stay out of a repair shop and just, uh, you know, how that is occupying um, her time and her stress. Uh, you have the guy that remembered something he needed to do. And by doing that, he forgot another thing that he needed to do and just the, uh, you know, being so caught up in busyness and all the to-dos and just not feeling like he's in control of anything. And then finally had the uh, a, m- a more elderly member who keeps thinking that her life's not any more peaceful than it was last year, that her life's not getting any better. And in contrast to all that, you have the words glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, right, being read from the from up front. And just the, the, the jarring contrast that's there. I love that you used examples that maybe are more of those everyday problems that maybe aren't as extreme, right? But they still matter to us. They still do affect the fact that it takes away our peace, right? That it it reminds us that things are not the way they should be. They're part of that that chaos and that storm. And we may not always realize they are. Because like I said, we're kind of thinking of more extreme examples, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's part of your your question of what do we mean by peace, it's not just simply the feeling, but there is this this larger reality of peace and peacelessness that so much of our life is not in order, and we are bombarded by that reality again and again. And then let's go ahead and if you want to spend another minute just talking about the last example of of the priest and and the tragedy that he went through, and I'd like to know where you know more about him or where you found out about this guy. Uh, yeah, so this is a priest who uh, was at mid-18th century Europe. He was getting ready for Easter. His pregnant wife died in childbirth, and the child was also stillborn. And how did I hear about this? Well, I was scrolling through social media one day, probably searching for peace, Deaconess, and <laughs> I came across a picture of this tomb that was made. And that's where I first came across it. I don't know how long ago. It might have been like a couple years at this point and just been holding on to this image for a, a good occasion and he has this sculptor make this this tomb this monument and it's a profoundly beautiful confession of the gospel in the face of the haunting reality of death and the peacelessness that death brings because it's it's a tomb and so you're reminded of death you see skulls and crossbones you know etched into the stone but the tomb also looks broken, and inside the crack is the thing splitting open. You see the wife and child. They're climbing out in resurrection. It's literally this picture of peace breaking through death. Yes. Right? With yes. the resurrection. 
Yeah, and I was even thinking, like, it, the words can maybe, is it kind of haunting for us? And maybe it's because it's it, it can be so tough to believe that this will actually be true. That wholeness and life and health and all will be restored on the last day. And it's haunting because that's not what we see now. You know, our, our physical eyes don't see it. Uh, we, we believe it by faith. And yet this tomb confesses, no, no, no. This is not the end. The resurrection's yet to come. That's really interesting. It is nearer than we think it is. And I know we go, we've gone year after year celebrating Advent, getting ready for the birth of Christ and possibly the return of Christ, then it doesn't happen. But you are right, like it's, it seems vague, it seems like a shadow right now, but this is very much our reality, and it's very, it's coming soon. It doesn't feel that way for us. Yeah, it, there's, a, there's a twin reality there that, I was looking at my uh, devotion for today, and it mentioned how uh, each day we are a day closer to our death, which is true. And, you know, it's part of the, the law of the devotion. And yet the other reality is it's a day closer to the resurrection. And that's the Christian hope that all will be put right, that there will actually be peace on earth and peace in a way we can't find right now. Uh, peace that comes through uh, the son of Mary, the son of God. All right, Deaconess, I, th- I think we've talked enough about the Christmas Eve sermon itself, but we're heading into a bit of a double feature today, and we are uh, without a vicar. I looked over, there's no vicar at the microphone. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Christmas Day sermon together, and we were talking over what to do uh, since neither of us preached it. And I think there are a couple things we can talk about. One is the difference between preaching on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and the other is uh, what is the behind some behind-the-scenes stuff involved in working with the vicars and getting their sermons ready. Uh, which one should we do first? Let's start talking about the difference between preaching on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. All right. Well, they are very different preaching occasions. I was going to say, yeah, the people you're preaching to may be very different. Uh, yeah, if you don't have a kind of a freak winter snowstorm right before Christmas Eve service, <laughs> you know, we typically have about 500 people that attend Christmas Eve here at St. John. And then on Christmas Day, if it's not on a Sunday, like, I don't know, 60 to 80 people. Right. And so just by numbers alone, it's a vastly different sort of congregation and group of hearers. And you have to admit that maybe if there's people in town, like visitors or whatnot, they're more likely to come on a Christmas Eve service as opposed to Christmas Day, would you say? Yeah, I think culturally uh, Christmas Eve is the more dominant service and and I've been told by some of our older members that used to be the other way around that Christmas Eve used to be the lightly attended service and Christmas oh, Day was when the, did that change? I I have no clue. That's really interesting. I don't know. Um maybe it'll change back in our lifetimes. We'll see. Yeah. Uh but regardless, <laughs> it's a different sort of occasion and it's a different sort of gathering of hearers. And that's even something I was talking about with the vicar of um what does it mean to be preaching on Christmas Day to that group versus on Christmas Eve. Um, for me, for Christmas Eve, knowing that's a much larger group, it's also it also tends to be a much more diverse group in terms of faith and belief and not belief or uh, folks who are regular um, attenders 
um, or folks we haven't seen for some time either, and, and here they are. And it's, it's, it's one of those moments where, you know, of course the gospel always needs to be absolutely clear, but in this sense I'm, I'm preaching to a, a broader group of ears, I guess. So then since you're preaching to different people for each of the services, you, um, when we were talking earlier, you had just mentioned that the Christmas Day sermon might be a little bit more contemplative, right? Yeah, and this was um, before we had vicars, and I would be on for preaching both of them. I would kind of find my Christmas Eve sermons to be a bit more kind of broad, or even just think about what I did with the sermon here. I tried to hit in just different examples of our lives, knowing that uh, a hearer would be able to connect with any of them, and through that I can get to the peace that comes through Christ. Christmas Day, when I when I would preach that, it would be it'd be kind of an interesting exploration. I might talk about I think one year I talked about the problem of evil. Oh um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> or we can just really have this contemplative time and what does it mean for um, God to become man, you know, the mystery of the incarnation. I mean, the gospel reading is the John one reading, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we can just take the time to lean into it. So you might be able to like dig a little deeper into a specific theme on Christmas Day as opposed to Right, right, and so the, the the feeling of the sermons, the the hearers, um, the the type of topics I might lean into varies, and at the end of the day, the gospel's got to predominate, um, and so it's just interesting to have that immediate contrast between Eve and Day, and we're celebrating the same the same event. You know, this is not Good Friday and Easter; it's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You know, these times to rejoice. So you are a vicarage supervisor. And you've been through, this is your third vicar that you've been working with. Um, can you tell us what it's like to work with the vicar um, on helping him, like, prepare the sermon? Uh, yeah, this is a process I am continually learning, in it, and I'm learning with the vicars. Uh, every vicar is certainly different, and every preacher is different as well. And while we have some similar vocabulary or thoughts about preaching or how we talk about it. Um, I find a lot of my initial months with the vicars of kind of getting the same vocab of how we talk about preaching, the same sort of expectations, and recognizing the different strengths and weaknesses with each vicar that they bring to the, the preaching event. And I'm also bringing my own preaching strengths and weaknesses and baggage as well. <laughs> and so it's just, a lot of it is just trying to get on the same wavelength with, with our relation as, as preachers. So when you're working with the vicar, um, do you focus on certain parts of preaching? Or what exactly do you focus on? That's a good question. So as we are getting up to speed with each other, I guess, with our terms and how we think of preaching and how we're just different preachers, right? I'm looking at different aspects of, of the sermon preparation and delivery throughout the year and trying to help the vicars grow in, in those different aspects. And so um, sometimes we're just working on how to better organize our sermons in terms of the structure of them or the use of of just good writing skills like, you know, wordplay, repeated phrases or um, things like that. Or how can we make the gospel more uh, more distinctly unique? We talk about how Jesus is the medicine, you know, how is he the right medicine for that week and not just kind of a generic blasé gospel. Sometimes I work on, you know, the delivery or the pacing, you know, memorizing the sermons is always a big topic. And, and, and even before all that, how do you come up with ideas to preach on? How do you, you know, work through the, 
the inventiveness process and stuff. And so it just kind of depends on the vicar, what I'm working on at that time. But it's kind of, it's, it's tough with preaching. And I, I do sympathize with the vicars because there's like 15 plates you have to spin each week for a sermon. And the only way to preach a sermon is have to deal with all those plates. And some weeks you care more about others than, than some. Well, getting back to the Christmas Day sermon that you worked on with him, what were specific things that you guys talked about for that sermon? Uh, there were there were two things that come to mind. Uh, one is just to get the structure uh, better nailed down. Uh, he is dealing with an image. We, we, we forced a vicar to say, hey, you got this image for Christmas Day. He didn't even get a choice. He just we kind of planted that flag for him, and he had to deal with it. He also has to bring in his text, so that was John 1. And then he's preaching to the, the hearers that are there on Christmas Day. And how do you tie those all together and weave in and out of those different parts of your sermon? And so just making sure the structure made sense and, and all the right transitions were in place. That was one piece. Um, and I think the other, and this is something I'd be glad to talk about with you, Deaconess, is, is the problem in the sermon that Vicar was dealing with. And that is uh, the the issue in the sin of pride. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up because he did talk about us like giving gifts to one another at this time of year and kind of got into how our acts of charity can be tainted with with our sin, with, with pride. And that's a tricky theme, I think, to bring up because you don't want to say like, like, no, like you're like it's a bad thing what you're doing but at the same time kind of bringing into or helping people be more aware of of their pride yeah because you're preaching to the people who showed up for christmas day worship uh i think it's really easy to be too broad with your law with an issue like this and you're, you're you're carefully cutting through of this idea that we have our christian acts of love that we do i mean we're christians and by virtue of our baptism um, and, and the Spirit's indwelling in us, we carry out good works. And we, and we do things in response to the gospel, out of love for Christ, out of God's expectation for us as creatures. And at the same time, while we have these Christian acts of love, we can very easily turn them into places of pride because we still have our sin. And so how do you get into that without being too broad with your law? And how do you actually, how do you make that, that discomfort and that pain of the law actually appropriate to to your hearer, I guess. So then the problem then being our pride, how then in Vicar's sermon was Jesus the medicine for that? Uh, this was the the fun piece of the image. As you said, as I mentioned to you, Deaconess, we just kind of gave Vicar this image uh, way back when we were playing our Advent and Christmas stuff. And like, all right, you have this Caravaggio, just figure it out. I remember talking to you back then, like, well, it might be kind of cool to talk about the verticality of the piece, right? how the angel's like pointing downwards and, you know, our Lord, you know, who for us men and for our salvation came down. And maybe that's the way, you know, you can use the image. But Vicar was doing some research and came across some behind the scenes uh, information about this, that there's this, um, who was the saint? It's not uh, Francis. What's the other one? Lawrence, St. Lawrence. And you get this fascinating story of um, Lawrence who brings the treasures of the church to this Roman government official. And it's the poor, the lame, right, the widowed. It's, it's, it's the broken people are the treasure. And what a cool way to get to the gospel 
is that Christ is the one who makes us valuable. Christ is the one who turns us into treasures. Because when we are faced with our pride, even as Christians, we are reminded of how much our sin keeps us away from God, how much our sin has lessened us as creatures. And what has Christ done? He has become human. He's become a human creature. And by his death and by his resurrection, he he gives up his blood of inestimable value and turns us into treasure once more. That's definitely a really great way to think about it because obviously Jesus is a gift to us, right? This forgiveness of sins that he gives us. and uh, but to, But then to, like you said, he figure focused on the fact that on another aspect of this, just that we are made treasure by, by his blood. So that's really cool. Right. Well, this wraps up the episode for today. Thanks everyone for listening to our discussion on both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day sermons and just the art of preaching in general. In case you missed the two sermons or you'd like to listen to them again, the link to the sermons in the show notes, and you can also find them on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you'd like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. And thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Thanks, Deaconess. And maybe just kind of a heads up for our listeners, uh, this coming Sunday, we have the shortest of all gospel readings coming up. And that's right. Yeah. So it'll be fun to hear that. I don't think you can cut it any shorter. And part of our process with the vicars as well is we're going to hear a bit more from Vicar Allen. And that is he's going to be preaching for a few weeks in a row. And that's just part of the, I think, is a good part of the vicarage process of uh, Sunday's always coming. And to have that feeling of you need to be ready, you need to be prepping sermons in the midst of all the other ministry stuff. So it'll be fun to hear from Vicar and continue to grow with him over the year. Very good. All right. Take care, everyone. See ya.